0: Coin boys, your average everyday crypto bros. That's right, it's Andy, aka producer BTW, and then sitting right across from me is Danny Goots Gutierrez. What's up,
1: everybody? What's going At on? D Gutierrez84, if you're so inclined.
0: Yes, and as you see in the thumbnail, this is the September coin of the show, and it's Engine Coin. We got two very special interviews coming up later, but we just want to, of course, thank everyone for all the follows and reviews I've noticed a little bit pick up on iTunes we're getting some uh, people are voting on stars and thank uh, you so much like rate s- review subscribe at iTunes SoundCloud and Google Play. Yeah, it, be, it really helps us because the more people that engage on our reviews and are subscribing the more it helps us get out there so First thanks to everyone that's done it and anyone new, welcome to the show. We're yes, really glad to have this you. This is really
1: this is really for the new for the new people who have not listened to us uh, yet. First off, thank you so much for giving us a shot. And I think you're gonna really, really enjoy this interview that you're about to see. Because uh, most likely if you're listening to this Interviews. you're probably Yeah. Interviews. Several. Of them. If you're listening to us right now, you're probably a fan of Engine Coin to begin with, and that's wonderful. As you, you, sh- it's good to have the fandom. But what we always want to let everybody know is, it's not just one coin to rule them all. Learn about the other ones. Listen to the other interviews as well. Uh, in the past, whatever hits your fancy. But, but of course, review up and, and listen to the, to the ones that you love. As uh, that's why you're here with Engine Coin. So thank you so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, and um. Like uh, Daniel said, we're uh, we're on major all the major audio outlets. Uh, still working on Spotify. Those, those. That's so
1: difficult to do. Um, uh, we'll but be but on it's probably too. so easy
0: to do. It. We just we're just lazy. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, one I, of the two. I've, I've, that's a whole another rabbit hole. But I uh, Google Play, of course, SoundCloud, and uh, iTunes is one of our biggest outlets. Uh, our website is up and running. Uh, it's called thecoinboys.com. Uh, Check it out. You can listen to the latest episode there and follow us. Yeah, and there's a few old episodes up there. There's uh, Places to contact us and check out there's some old blogs on there, and we're gonna be talking about blog updates soon That's gonna be something on the show. I mean not on the show, but uh, on the website that is gonna be available uh, coming soon But let's get to the topic at hand and that's engine coin and of course we always like to kind of dig a little deeper into uh, a project or you know a cryptocurrency or a token that's in th- in this realm a little deeper and in this in this case uh, we have a little bit of a history with engine coin because when I was at e3 uh, I was able to see that engine had a booth at e3 first of all which is if you don't know is one of the biggest gaming conventions of the year in Los Angeles um, and they were one of the only cryptocurrency gaming centric tokens I saw on the floor which was really cool yeah met roger who's vp for communications or vp communications uh and super intelligent guy when it comes to like the gaming realm and what uh, and what they're doing which we'll get into he has got energy i love it he's got energy i met him in person and he was a great guy fun to talk to first of all i'm a gamer whenever i interview people on the show that have gaming backgrounds it's really easy for me to connect um and then so basically, he deals with a lot of the gaming side of it, the surface part of the, the industry, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be coming up first. But then the other side of things, which we really are happy about because we have kind of like two perspectives here that we need. Yes. You know, the social marketing perspective and the communications perspective, and then the CTO, which is VTech.
1: VTech, who is really super informative. And, and again, we consider ourselves to be average every day crypto people so so it, it, We're the way he into helped above to, average yeah we maybe. are we are growing <laughs> yeah that's it's great but yeah. uh, it's really nice to hear from somebody on the programming side and the way he breaks it down is very easy to yes. digest it's really uh, it's quite wonderful and answers several questions that i had 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 in the past
0: and technically we could say he's our first true cto on the show we've always had big names that are representing the coins, which is not a problem that might be in marketing or, you know, we've had a few CEOs or founders as well. And, and founders and CEOs, as well. CEOs. And, and um, there were like, there were some people we interviewed that were very technically savvy. There's yes, definitely. Oh, absolutely. But we want to, we're able to give you those two perspectives in one shot about a project. And I think you're going to be happy with a lot of things you're going to hear. It's going to be very informative. We enjoyed both both parties Roger and Vtech Yeah they were uh, both amazing And then Engine Coin in general um, have a good relationship with them I'm a gamer I like what they're what they're looking to do There's some there's some newer news that was announced uh, that that's why uh Vtech's interview will be second because actually his interview is most recent and Roger, we actually interviewed a little bit Before earlier. Before the in big announcement of, 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 of what we'll stuff. talk about, but it will be mentioned, but I don't want to spoil too much. But if you've heard Block News recently, it's already been spoiled. <laughs> it's uh, That's true. Uh, but it's that okay. Is true. Yes. Go back to Block News and hear the spoiler. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, there, if you're already an Engine fan, you already will probably know what we're talking about. But um, Daniel, uh, if you have... Anything else to say? I think I'm ready to toss to Roger first. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely ready. Just uh, Once again,
1: what we get, um, you may not be into gaming. You may not be into crypto, one of the two, but you both should learn about each other and each other's worlds because it's about to collide. So I hope you enjoy. Here's Roger.
2: When I was a little boy, God bless him, my father enrolled me in these summer classes at the Museum of Science and Industry in Los Angeles. So we would drive to downtown LA every day and my father would like have road rage and be stressed out. And I never really realized what a big deal it was. He was driving me all the way out of the way from downtown LA down to where USC is to drop me at the museum. And as like a little seven, eight, nine year old kid. I got to do all kinds of incredible science stuff. I got to play with Tesla coils. I, I like, you know, we had like an airplane making class where we took one of those cheapy balsa wood planes mm-hmm. and then modified it and glued it and taped it up. And my plane oh, wow. flew over the LA Coliseum, flew for like five minutes, it was amazing. So one of these classes was computers, right? Now this is in the age of there being, I still remember what it was. It was a UNIVAC 1138. It was a big machine somewhere, a cube machine probably, somewhere else, like in a warehouse on the fourth floor of a building, and you would interact with this thing through a teletype. Holy and man. it would print out each screen, right? So people in Fortran or whatever in those days had written like, you know, Star Trek or other classic, you know, Advent or other classic games. And the screen would be represented to you by it taking about a minute to print out each screen with asterisks and minuses. And you could see where the Klingon was on the map. Yeah, oh, that was wow. my first video game experience. Holy. Yeah.
0: Wow. So it, was, it
1: was it basically time, love since then?
2: Yes, yes, of course. I was, I was on it, right? I was really on it. You know, I played D&D all through high school. That's a separate story. Something that I didn't understand, but then how I became enamored. So by the time, you know... Um, by the time I was getting near, you know, went to, went to MIT. I was very lucky to, to get in. And on my years before MIT, um, I would I had summer jobs where I'd get these internships working at aerospace companies. And I'd have like Zork or Advent or whatever RPG game they had on the mainframe, usually like a Vax. And I would try to decompile it or figure out where the rare items were. And I love that stuff, okay? really love that stuff. So I uh, went to engineering school. um, Fast forwarding a bit, went to engineering school. I don't know how I managed to go through electrical engineering because it's really boring, but I did that. And then I was really kind of bored when I got out of school, university, and I went back to study industrial design at an art center in in Pasadena. So what happened is when I got out, I was like, you know, I'm going to be like an inventor, designer of the future. Like pretty soon, I didn't know it, pretty soon there's going to be an app for everything, right? And someone's going to have to design these experiences as well as run an engineering teams. Well, sort of ahead of my time, kind of clueless about actually how to get business that did this. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and so I, I stumbled around, you know, working in movies, doing some effects for a while. And eventually around, uh, 93, which is around when doom came out. I, uh, I heard that there, there was this thing called doom. And, uh, I also heard there was a thing called the World Wide Web, <laughs> and it wasn't called the internet yet. Wow. So I didn't know how to do this, but I figured out how to, like, you know, over a modem, like, download. I You know, I played some games on, like, Genie or CompuServe, and uh, over a I know this sounds really archaic, right?
0: I, I, um, <laughs> I am there with you on Doom, don't worry. <laughs> this brings back my memories, too.
2: Yeah, so basically, I figured out how to get Netscape so I can get Doom, and then... A very short time later, my best friend, who I'm still best friends with from MIT, John, who also is a video game professional, John says, Roger, I made some money from like the stock at my previous company. We should figure out a way to do a CD-ROM game that's not porn.
0: <laughs> and then we're like,
2: wow, how do you do that? Like, That's all there is. It was really a, a quandary, So wow. we, uh, we set out and started working on a game. And um, shortly thereafter, uh, my dear friend Connie Booth, Who is now like runs most of Sony in America, but in those days was still relatively new in the industry. We had worked with her at her studio to get some funding to do this game called Five Elements Masters. It was kind of a, you guys don't know this, but I'm a long time uh, martial arts guy. Cool. And uh, I wanted to do this kind of, you know, Chinese movie, sort of, kind of like Doom, but an RPG, right? Okay. Or something. And so uh, we actually got some funding from Sony to like start. Oh, nice! this game. what was the vision of the game? Um, well, it's basically a game where, um, there's lots of players all in one universe together and they have these like rare collectible items and territories and they fight with each other. And what's great about it is players actually create content for other players because you're always having to infiltrate the other person's team or whatever. Wow. Anyhow, you may, you may, you may think that that sounds a little bit like my career now, right? Yes. So, um, and in fact, it was one thing that when I you know, met the engine guys, it really drew me to them. So I wanted to do that. And there wasn't really even you know, EverQuest yet. There wasn't really online games yet. Right. Maybe there were a few, but I hadn't seen them. And so you know, we were trying to figure out, like sort of pre-internet, how do we hook three modems together so we can get, of course you can't, but like anything <laughs> to make like, a, a kind of virtual world happen. Um, and I was really into some of the early VR and stuff that happened after that. Anyhow, that deal went for a while, and then that Sony studio closed. And away I go to work for, like, Activision. And that was it. After that, I stayed in the video game industry for, I think it's 25 years uh, almost now, yeah.
1: So, wow. like, when you were developing that game for Sony, was there anything close to that at the time? Or what gave you guys that idea to do something that is now very commonplace but was revolutionary at the time?
2: Well, you know, what's funny is the vision is really quite interesting. So, you mean, did we did we actually, like build anything that worked?
1: How did you think of that just in general? Like, was there already games like that at, when you were developing it or was, there, was this just like a dream, a Not vision? really. That you, I, I, you know, I
2: think as a designer, you know, mainly in my, in my professional career, I'm mainly a designer. And as a designer, I've learned one thing, which is that if you're thinking about something, then it's out there. It's in the ether, right? Other people are sort of thinking about it. And now that I'm, you know, a grumpy old man designer, I know you better find a way to get that paid for so you can make it because just having the best dream in the world doesn't cut it on its own, you know?
1: Got
2: it. So that's become a big professional thrust for me is to try to help teams, you know, have funding to make their vision. But anyway, no, we just thought it up. And what was cool about it was, on my side, I wanted to do, you know, players having rare items and creating content for each other. And on well, John's that. side, he wrote, like, a really sophisticated, like, raycasting engine at the time. So what makes Unity or, or you know, even Unreal be good is, it's not like a thing where you have to set something up and then compile it and run it and be like, oh, I need to change this. John did the very first that I know of, John Cook is his name, pause and play. So you'd literally play the game, you'd hit pause, like spacebar or something, and it would pause and up would come this designer panel that let you control all the AI, all the weapon behaviors, everything, just like in a, in a modern tool like Unity. Wow. And then you could go back to playing, and then you could change it. You could pause it and edit. So. He was the first person I know that actually created anything like that, and um, that was part of our sort of wow. tech path at the time. Wow. So pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And, you know, we all needed to, yeah.
0: I, I have a question then. Neat. Since so. when you got into, so you guys are were forward thinking in gaming, which I applaud you. Thank you. Um, that's really awesome. Um I was around for Doom. Like I think it was Shareware, right? Was that where you, they would give you the disc? Mm-hmm. You could demo the first, the first level, so that you would end up buying the game. It was a genius way to advertise. Doom was amazing, by the way. I had to, you just yeah, and I
2: think that they were also the first guys to have like a free download on the internet that you could do that too. Like you know, I hadn't seen anything like that. I will inject one thing while we're in humor mode. Um, I'm actually the designer of the Thymaster. That horrific, what Dan no, Summers invention? You're lying. What yeah, I, I am? Oh I am. my god! See, right when, like at the beginning, right when I was in first in the first part of video games, um, <laughs> someone that I knew through like the movie business said, "Hey, you know, Roger, there's these people that need a prototype or design for this weird exercise thing. It's really expensive right now; it costs fifty bucks to make one, but they want to figure out how to make it for a dollar." So yeah, the bunch of people hired me. Mm-hmm. Wow. I see in, and the guy, Josh Reynolds, is actually the inventor of the Mood Ring, even, even bigger than Thighmaster. <laughs> Holy so, anyhow, but somewhere in here, I did the Thighmaster, and it was, it was wacky and, and horrible. And now that, you know, it was embarrassing before, but now it's it, like iconic. It was wacky, it
1: horrible, but very important to my adolescence, sir. I never so thought I'd get you. to
0: interview the guy who helped develop and engineer the Thighmaster. This is incredible, Roger. That was awesome. I,
1: I uh, yeah. I think yeah. that's really awesome. So it's it's. Yeah, it's I, a great story. I'm out. blown it's away. You know, On <laughs> a separate
2: thread, it, it involves like a weird like celebrity Beverly Hills sort of fitness <laughs> this a uh, guru lady who was like you know oh I'm probably gosh. like 24 at the time and she's like 75, ultra buff, ultra wrinkled, super tan skin with like a, a leather jumpsuit unzipped halfway down and was like, "Hi, you're fresh meat. I like you." It was really. Anyway, back to the games. I worked on a bunch of other stuff. I I got into PS2 or PS1 at this point. I worked on uh, worked on some really early like Flintstones games, and uh, (laughs) and then let's see. I think I did some more stuff for Activision. What did I do? There's some other I don't. I lost track. Anyhow, eventually I went to work for um, some of the open world games started happening, and I worked on um, the true crime series at uh, at which was an Activision studio. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was a good... It was like an early kind of GTA... Better than GTA clone. They like really had accurately reproduced lots in New York and Los Angeles. It was really cool. Wow. That's awesome. And I'm still good friends with them. And then eventually I went up to Bioware, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked there during the kind of Mass Effect Dragon Age number one era, I think.
0: You could That's say. awesome. I play Dragon Age. Wow. That's awesome. That's
1: great. So... Yeah. so- so you've been on, you've been around the space for a while. What, what, um, for those who weren't, uh, who are just kind of tuning in now uh, for the first time, hearing you, can you just give, briefly go over what is Engine right now?
2: So basically, Engine is a Engine is a complete, very robust solution that lets a developer do blockchain for games. Right. So um, we'll talk about the differences later between players and developers and their different needs. Mm-hmm. But you know, many studios are eager to get their hands in the blockchain. But the reality is, like, hey, we want to do a game that uses blockchain stuff. Yeah, we heard about smart contracts, and we'll get going on that. Well, even if you have a team that is already highly trained and been doing that for a year, I promise you, it's going to take, like, another year to make this, okay? It's, it's, it's a huge amount of work. I just saw our team, who are some of the smartest people that I know of and the most experienced in, in crypto space, takes, like, a year-plus to do. So Engine is basically very similar, in a way, to the Unity game Engine. You know, if I want, if I'm a game dev, it used to be that I had to write an engine, and that would take a couple years. But I could just get Unity now. It's free, and it does most of what I need it to do. And I can customize it if I need to. Engine is the same thing for blockchain. Uh, indie dev or big dev or studio can just get Engine and stick it inside of Unity or stick it inside of Unreal, and they've got blockchain. Like even artists, oh, wow. even an uh, even an artist or designer with zero coding can spin up a bunch of mint, mint a bunch of items. And spin up blockchain stuff for a game, like it's so. It's a very robust solution that lets a developer do that. That's what Engine is.
0: Well, and and uh, segueing out of that, what do you? What can you describe exactly what you do uh, at Engine Coin and what your roles are?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, when, you know, once a year we all travel to the Great Gladiator Pit, and my job is to make sure none of the contestants hurt each other too seriously. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, as VP of communications means two things. Basically, on one hand, I'm the partnerships guy. I'm the guy that talks to all the developers because I speak their language, and I can, you know, our, our clients are basically me in most of my career, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I know how to, how to address their needs, and I can help them. Um, you know, I've, I've been a consultant for many, many years in addition to my time at studios, so I know how to kind of like draw out, like, you're trying to do this? All right, here's how you do that. That's one part is, is supporting the... the the Dev Studios and so on, and then the other part is the is the literal communications piece. So you know, Roger, go to Korea and be on the news. Roger, you know, talk to you guys. Roger, um,
1: got it. Oh, okay. I so,
2: present a lot of our stuff, and I, I get to do a lot of mentoring, and it's very rewarding for me. So, you, you yeah. seem
1: definitely personable, so it's great that they got you doing that, and you have you definitely have the the, the gaming history for it. Um, but thank you for for engine itself. Uh, it's bl- it's bringing blockchain. gaming so how important is blockchain for gaming and and how and vice versa how important is gaming for blockchain
2: okay so let's talk about um, blockchain to gaming first sure so think about it in real life if I have a signed Babe Ruth baseball like really signed by Babe Ruth
1: the kind from the sandlot
2: and um, you know that's a pretty unless it's been forged which is a which is a thing right it's Mm -hmm. a pretty valuable thingy right and the way you would treat such an object or the way you would um, on all levels financially or just collectability or whatever Mm -hmm. it makes it special right it makes it special yes and if you weren't sure if it was real if there was millions of these things and it was no big deal then it wouldn't be special anymore right and right now with games sometimes we try to have special objects in certain games but and those provide a certain kind of cred, street cred, and certain satisfaction to the player, but think about it. If they're completely, like, hacky and easy to get, nobody really cares about them. And if, if it's really, if there's really no clear way to know whether it's real or fake, then it really, that game sort of doesn't have as much cachet, right? You would never pay somebody money for that thing if you weren't sure. Mm-hmm. And that's the state that games are in now, because we have games that have highly collectible items like World of Warcraft or Lineage or Diablo, but you're never really sure, right? Like half the stuff out there is fraudulent. So you might give it a little bit of cachet, like wow, you have that super rare magic battle axe, but it's not that big of a deal because it's not like a signed Babe Ruth baseball. If I have something sitting on my desk that's rare, you can't have it, right? But in games, normally we could just make a copy and nobody cares, but now we can't do that. So that's really, really useful and it changes the way that we do things in games. Like, for instance, if I make a Lord of the Rings game, let's just say as an example, and there really is a, the one ring that has crazy power over other players, well, whoever has that is the shit, right? People yes. will go to battle over that thing, right? So you, you want to be careful, but you can design really interesting game stuff. And I feel it gives a kind of wish fulfillment or a fantasy experience in games. I mean, I love games that we've all kind of been wanting all along, right? It, it's because of that. So that's why games need the blockchain
0: yeah and I think I actually think um, gamers kind of will under, when they want to learn what what uh, blockchain technology is, they come might understand it faster than most because we're used to like microtransactions and and you know there's Fortnite has V yeah the the V what do they call the V bucks
2: No, I think it's true because that's how I came to understand it because at first I didn't understand anything about crypto. I learned about cryptocurrency through the blockchain and I learned about the blockchain because holy cow, this unlocks all those features I was trying to do. 25 years ago at Sony yeah
1: you know? wow <laughs>
2: um, so it's really cool for me I get like my own wish fulfillment so there's all kinds of different scenarios I can explain to you guys that people haven't even tried yet That I've literally been writing my journal for you know years anyhow I think you're right it, players will come to understand it because of this right now one important distinction is it's a lot like like let's just say I went and bought uh, a new Mini Cooper right I just got you know Let's say I bought a new Mini Cooper. Well, it's got the BMW, whatever, five-year warranty or whatever. So think about it. Yes, I have the ownership rights of that car. I could sell it to you or I could, you know, sell it, whatever. But in a way, BMW, think of that as the game developer, they kind of own it too because they can control my warranty. They can tell me what I can't do or what I can do or that there's a recall, right? Mm -hmm. You need to bring it back or it's not safe. So in a way, I want to make this clear. that Even though we have true item ownership happening with engine, well, the developer, it's kind of like in order for that item to be deployed in their game, they control what's allowed in their game, and therefore they control the way the object behaves, right? Yes. So it's true that as a player, you can buy, sell, lease, rent objects on the blockchain, but uh, any game that you're in, um, they, of course, the developer actually controls it as well. The developer controls a lot of interesting things, like if they want the item to be able to be listed on an item trading website, do they want to whitelist one side or blacklist another? Do so they only want the item to be, you know, bound? Do they want the item to only be traded in the game, traded in the wallet, traded on, the, whatever they want? The developer controls all that, and they also control the way the item behaves in their game. So, you know, um, <clears throat> let's just say I have a, let's just say I have a rare sniper rifle, okay, and um, it's an item on the blockchain, a rare sniper rifle, and let's just say somehow that uh, the Destiny guys have decided they want to do a cross-reference with Call of Duty. Okay. So they can, uh, you could decide, like, you know, it's up to the developer's control. It's, it's not like this blockchain item forces the game to do what it wants. The game force, forces it to do what it wants to behave in that game. So for instance, let's just say, let's make a better example. Let's just say the Call of Duty guys, because that's Activision, and Blizzard, who's owned by, by Activision, wants to use the item in Hearthstone. So they, they could say, well, it's a Dwarven musket, and uh, Call of Duty has this weird weird retro gun that actually is like a working gun, and you can run around and it does so much damage and so much spread and so much range. But in Hearthstone, it's a magic card that has a picture of the Dwarven cannon, hand cannon on it, and it has a different set of stats. All you really need to know as a player is that, hey, the, my ownership of this unlocked it across several games, which is cool. But right. of course, the dev studios control what it does in the games, and I, I always make that point because we're trying to take care of developers here as well as players. That right. is
1: that is absolutely cool because to be able to, you know, you always kind of dream of having an item from another game in your game. It's like, oh, this would be cool if I could use, like, for, for example, if I you could use a proton pack in the House of Dead kind of situation. Um, yeah, really I always thought that would be awesome. You know, you
0: know what this reminded exactly, me exactly of?
2: Exactly, uh, it's something I'll talk about later. It's- it's one of the things that's actually happening with a bunch of our developers. But what you wouldn't want to do to a developer is like, hey, wow, I'm playing Call of Duty and, you know, I can take out any item I want from other games. Let me get my, like, Protoss laser sword from StarCraft II. Bust it out. You know, that would, you know, it doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. The developers need to be able to say what it does when you do that.
1: Yeah, so it definitely would yeah. require a lot more communication, but uh, is feasible, definitely feasible. And you're and you're turning yeah. developers into artists, essentially, like like people with rare are people who put in hard work. I've seen some of the skins that they make, I've seen some of the weapons that these people make, and like, it, it, um, now they have,
0: it, it's it's uh, more appreciated. They feel the reward. Uh, go, a gamer loves ownership. A gamer loves ownership of their, they, they like the sought after feeling of exactly. owning this thing that takes them hours to grind. Like there's something about that.
2: There. Right, but think about it, think about the difference between, exactly, but think about like if, if you knew that everybody was hacking stuff in a certain game, your grind wouldn't be worth anything anymore, right? right. So you want to, like, the more secure it is, the better it is.
0: Yeah, and I guess I wanted to talk to you about player faces or the, the, the player faces side of it. What Could you get into that a little bit? I think you were talking to me off the podcast trying to explain, and I'd love for you to share that to our audience.
2: You mean the player side versus the developer yes. side? Yes, that thing?
0: Yes, that thing.
2: Okay, okay. So, you know, we just talked about a bunch of the value to players, right? Like, oh... Know, the ability to have truly all right I'll just run through a few collectible rare items right mm-hmm. I mean and actually have them be perceived as like there's only three of these there will only ever be three and I have one that's huge mm-hmm. not like yeah I got a really good sword it's amazing but I don't know these are hacked like half the time who knows right that's one another one is the ability to actually kind of I think as gamers we love the real life cred we get out of our games that's why there's so many gamers who love you know, making blogs or looking, you know, that now no one ever publishes manuals for games, right? Because you can only go to like Wiki and look up like, how do I play Destiny 2 or whatever? Like, yeah. where is the purging ones or whatever, right? So we like to make a lot of our own content. And I think um, we're, we're going to see a thing happening where, yeah, sure, I play Destiny, but mainly I'm a trader. I exist to like trade items because Destiny allows items to be traded. And I make my living as kind of a, Think about it as like half in real life and half inside of the game, right? It's kind of a fun role that you get to put on. Even better, think about that kid who, I don't know, who's got their own YouTube channel, right, or Instagram channel, and is making some money on it. Now we're going to start to be the kind of thing where instead of having black markets, of items, I think game developers are going to include crafting and trading as part of their gameplay, if you will, for the players, and it'll always be balanced. And so there's going to be spinning up some probably adults and teenagers who are like yeah I make my living crafting and trading but just like you saw in, a, in Reddit in player one they go to they go to what's the big dude who used to, who turns out to be a girl yeah, yeah no AG I G or something
1: yes you could modify everything right
2: yeah so like think about it like what kind of awesome status is it is it if I'm like one of like only a handful like say like ten like hundredth level Jedi crafters in the game. And you found the blueprints. You did all the raids. You got collected all the rare items. But you have to pay me to make that item for you. I'm the only one who can craft it. You have to find me in the game. Hey Roger, would you do it? Yeah, all right. But PayPal me ten bucks. I mean, in a legitimate in a way in a legitimate way, I think we're going to start to see players kind of making their gameplay more of a hobby that's not just inside of the game, but is like outside. It's like actually collecting, you know, race cars or model kits. It's like has a kind of a hands-on. Outside of the game aspect, right? I'm an item crafter. that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, Yeah, and
0: and I know that the history of gaming, there's always been, like, legitimacy behind, like, the trading third-party platforms. This, you know, like, I remember Diablo's auction house, like, went to hell. They were trying to keep the third parties away, and that was a transactional thing where I was selling. I was selling my items for real money on the Diablo auction house for Diablo 3. Um, and and did I, wish I, got into that. I, I did pretty well and then they went and then they shut it down. They just shut it down. But it was crazy yeah, I,
2: I, You know and I Go I, ahead my old boss from Bioware and a dear friend of mine actually I've been actually wanting to go to down the blizzard and like I, I want to hang out with some of the guys who worked on the auction house on Diablo because yeah. <laughs> Essentially, I, I think what I often cite the example like well, What is why is engine good? And I'm like, well, you two developers could make your own game that has all the power and security of Activision, Blizzard, Diablo's giant security team that, you know, exists to make like Diablo be like, I don't know, 60% watertight, right? There's still a lot of fraud, but those guys have to do an enormous amount of work and a lot of money to try to slow it down, right? And I think yeah. um, this is going to give a small developer that, abil- that same ability or better.
0: Okay, so Daniel, I got to meet Roger in person. Now that you got to talk to him, let's let's talk a little bit about your perspective on this. I want to come off the bat on you. I, I just love. I'm I'm a fan
1: of his passion. Um, obviously, everything is kind of still in testing, and they're still they're still they're still doing it. But it looks like they're doing it versus other other places that uh, other people that we've talked to, where it's just kind of like, oh, this is what we're hoping to do. They are working hard. He's getting he's getting out there. He's getting really involved, and I love the idea of I mean I'm a collector I love to collect things so I love the idea of being able to take these things and 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 have some sort of digital collection because you know when I was a kid I used to collect football cards yeah football seasons. I used to collect football cards and comics and and I used to collect uh uh, and I collect DVDs and Blu-rays for the longest time but it's all going digital and I was kind of losing that and I was kind of getting a little sad that you know I was losing that
0: little collectiveness but they're bringing it back this is this is um to a different digital age. Yes, and I think but it's perfect. A good another, and we're going to get into this with the next interview as well. Is that gamers tend to understand the ownership of digital items way far beyond normal people? Yeah. Yeah. So we just talked about it, uh, Roger, about uh, the Diablo marketplace. So you had the option of real money <laughs> marketplace or the in-game marketplace. Yeah. And I was already like, that's something. And then when you tell me about crypto and exchanging. Uh, uh, putting uh, items on the blockchain or skins that it's it's, it's, inc- it's really cool to me. But as a gamer, it almost makes total sense. yeah. So and
1: when you told me about when I first heard about that concept, I was like, you guys, what is wrong with you kind of situation like it's not real. it's not real and then I'm like,
0: but I love Bitcoin. And I'm like, okay, yes,
1: it's real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's basically how it
0: worked. And um, I really uh, want to thank Roger. I can't wait to meet him. He was like, "I want you guys to come out to Korea." You know, I'm out <laughs> here in Korea. Like, it was awesome. I mean, I honestly uh, hope that we can go out to an event out there for Engine Coin. Um, I'd love to do that. At uh, some that'd point. That'd be that'd be really cool. Um, I'd, I'd first of all, as a gamer, so people know, Korea is a huge industry for gaming. But all of Asia but Korea in huge is huge like specifically is the mecca and ahead mm. of everyone in in just gaming in general. They got
1: K-pop, they, they got, got gaming, they, gaming they is big. beat it's us all. Uh up.
0: gamers are on cereal boxes in Korea. They're like 10 years ahead of everybody. Really? Oh yeah. They well, you're right. Asia's huge in gaming, but Korea specifically is a really great place to be. That's funny. Okay, Isn't it's cool? interesting. Um so anyway, uh, Our next guest, which I'm excited to introduce, and we had a great time talking with him as well. Not only is he the CTO and a very technically savvy guy, he's also a gamer. And we also talk about some cool gaming things as well with him. So um, before I I say anything further, uh, Daniel, is there anything about VTech you want to share before we throw to him? He was uh,
1: extremely kind in and, 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 uh, the way he answered stuff. Sometimes when you interview people who are in this space, they tend to talk down and <laughs> it feels yeah. awful. He was very kind and how he talked with them and explained everything and it's definitely, this is what you want to hear for crypto. If you're, if you're confused a little bit, we get some
0: questions answered through here. Yeah, uh, we definitely uh, have a great gambit of questions for, because uh, we were excited because he's a CTO. Yeah. So we can, we knew a lot about engine Uh, We talked about it many times, but now we could really talk to someone that knew about the really technical details of it. So here you go. Here's a little bit of uh, some backstory leading into his experience on getting Engine into crypto. Here's VTech. Engine
3: started out as a kind of social network website creation tool for gamers. Uh, Back in the day, people used to play uh, a lot of Counter-Strike and all those kind of uh, first person shooter multiplayer games with clans. And, um, turns out all the clans wanted websites. So we designed engine as a way for them to build their websites and, uh, yeah, for their teams and clans to, oh, to sort wow. of, uh, communicate and have forums and all those tools. Uh, but we moved into like MMORPGs, like world of Warcraft blew up right after that. And then, uh, Minecraft blew up. So I got it back when it was on discount cause it was still a Java beta, um, back when Notch was still working on it and, uh, Yeah, it was really, really good times. Everybody started modding Minecraft and and made all their, started building what it is today. Yeah,
0: I'm always blown away that there are uh, creeper uh, posters in Walmart. Like when I was in beta, I never imagined. (laughs) Never imagined. That's cool. That's cool. So just to clarify, uh, Engine was around before even cryptocurrency or you guys weren't in that market yet, correct?
3: Yeah, we actually started in 2008 or 9. That's before even Bitcoin existed. Right, like right on, right um, on the, on the notes, money. really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we were just into gaming. Uh, we were actually even doing stuff in gaming before 2009, uh, just making websites custom for, for gamers. But then we built Engine, and it would turn into this big thing. Um, people started signing up like crazy, and it, it just grew like by itself by gamers telling themselves about it. And yeah. Uh, we we ended up having just about twenty million users on the platform. Wow. Um that's just tons of hundreds of thousands of gaming communities um that use our system. So that that was us for the last you know, for the first eight years at least. Wow. And then uh, I I've always been a gamer myself. Uh ever since I was a little kid. Um I I played everything from the old shareware games on my old 486 computer when I was a kid. Uh and then, you know, Doom and Went into all the the different kind of games that that came out over the last twenty years or so. Nice. so sounds like the exact I, I was really games
0: too. I played too. So that's really cool. Were you yeah.
1: also console or yeah. were you just PC?
0: Uh,
3: uh, my parents could never afford a console, so I was I was a PC PC master race. There you right? go. Yeah, <laughs> nicely done. I mean, I I um, play
0: consoles, but I came from that world. I played Diablo one, two, and like you know, I go way back. Even even oh, Tie yeah. Fighter games, I would play. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. That same was here. good times. Diablo and the TIE <laughs> fighter, it was awesome. All the cool, games, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so, ha- talking. So then, you guys weren't in cryptocurrency. So how did you end up? How did you yourself discover crypto and get into it and decide? Hey, maybe there's a way of integrating this with engine. So
3: uh, I've known about crypto for a while now, but uh, once Ethereum started, uh, Ethereum got announced, and and that blew my mind when I heard about it because. They started talking about things like um, autonomous uh, co- corporations and things that that would run by themselves and have all, have these smart contracts that could do things that are not controlled by companies or or people controlling mm-hmm. them. So there were these programs that that exist on the blockchain in this virtual space that that can run and do things. So um, once Ethereum came out and and it started getting more adopted, um, we started thinking about how we could use this. Because uh, Engine was actually, we, we, we have a lot of Minecraft servers using our stuff and they were already starting to sell virtual items. But these would just be um, people logging into servers, paying like 10 bucks and getting something, getting some power up on the, on their Minecraft server. But uh, we realized that we could use the blockchain to make tokenized
0: items that people could actually own.
1: Wow! Wow. So that brings us to what,
0: uh, the next question: Is uh, basically you also created uh, the ERC eleven fifty five, correct? You're the author and creator of that. And I I wanted you to just in 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 terms for people that might not be familiar with it, could you explain what it is and how you how you came up with it? Sure. So
3: um, there's two major token standards um, that basically let you tokenize items so there's erc 20 which lets you make kind of fungible items which could be currencies they could be things like grains of rice or any kind of fungible item where every unit is the same and then there's another uh one called erc 721 that lets you make non-fungible items like um a lot of people probably heard of crypto kitties where each kitty is completely different Yeah. yeah and uh we tried to look at these these standards, but um, it turned out that they wouldn't work very well for mainstream kinds of games. Um, if you look at games like World of Warcraft or any of the newer games, they can have thousands of items, sometimes tens of thousands of items, and they're all different kinds of items. So we had to make a new standard to put all types of items into one big smart contract. and have all those items follow the same rules. So the the problem that we had is when you deploy a token onto Ethereum, you have to deploy a big smart contract out and it's very expensive. It could cost five bucks or it cost, you know, it definitely costs some money. Um, And if you're going to have tens of thousands of items, that's going to be extremely expensive and very cumbersome. Plus these items aren't very uh, flexible between each other. Uh, you can't do things like do multiple, multi-transfers, like do a trade where you trade like, you know, your bag of gold and a bunch of your swords for somebody else's armor set. Um, it would be very really difficult to do with the old token standards. So we decided to to make a standard from the ground up that's built for game items. And you can basically build any kind of game token, any kind of game item with all sorts of crazy features uh, using ERC-1155. That's really wow, cool. That's,
1: that's absolutely amazing. So, my question to you would, would be: How difficult is it to connect a blockchain to a game? Uh, like, is is I know every every business has its growing pains, but is there extra growing? Is there a lot more growing pains with this one than usual? Or what, what's your opinion on that?
3: Well, game developers, um, I don't think a lot of game developers have experience with blockchain. It's a completely new space, and this whole realm of um, tokenized items is, is just just get wrapping your mind around how it works and how these items would work in your game. Uh, it takes a lot of work and, and the tools haven't really been out there until basically this year. Um, but with our tool set that we're developing in the engine, all someone has to do as a game developer is install our plugin onto, into their game and start minting their items. And everything else in terms of the blockchain minting the connection the events uh, the storage of the items everything gets handled in the background so they literally pop our plugin into their game and they're like okay we have the sword let's attach that to a token we have this axe let's attach that to a token uh give it all it's, it's set all the sliders for all its options and things like that and hit mint and that's basically all they have to do uh, it, it links everything up in the background so we're, we're trying to make it super easy like a turnkey system for people so they don't have to expend any resources
1: that's wonderful so so is it possible to have you know the classics that, that we all know and love to possibly be on the
3: blockchain as well using using this this method as well yes I mean existing games could definitely tokenize their items um, the only difficulty is a lot I would say almost all the games in history haven't really been designed with blockchain in mind. So that's why people are worried about things like balance issues. you know, how would you balance a game on the blockchain? Um, it's because they're thinking of the old the old games that are already out. Um, it's a lot easier to create a new game and just start thinking about how you can tokenize everything in it.
0: So another question is, They always say like not all games. I mean, not all companies or projects need blockchain. But do you think there's some games that might not need blockchain? Obviously, is it have to be in particular in your what you guys are doing is with skins. But do you think there's other ways that you could use blockchain with games besides with skins?
3: Oh, there's there's so many ways um, uh, like uh, I could I could go into if you want to go down the rabbit hole. I, I want to go
0: down far. a small rabbit yeah, hole
3: because
1: we because <laughs> all we're, we got from from Roger was mostly about skins and, and some weapons. But other than that, we were a little bit confused on yeah, what else we could
0: do. And and I guess I'm a gamer and we're, we're a little bit gaming centric on this podcast. So I'm curious. So I'd love no, okay. a little bit, a little bit.
3: Sure, Uh, yeah, you can do so much with blockchain. I see this as a massive creative tool for game designers, something that's never been possible in gaming before. So the thing that we focused on a lot is items, right? You can get skins, you can get weapons, uh, you have ownership of them, you can trade them in and out of the game, uh, have full control over them. But now when you have that power, you can do something cool where you can actually create a multiverse. And we've, we've actually started doing this, where multiple games can support the same items. So you pick an item up in one game, you, you go over to the, the second game and you, you actually have a copy of that item in that second game. And you can actually build a whole network of games that support different items across them. So that's pretty cool. I don't think we've ever really seen uh, games do that where you can transfer your items and your players across them so easily yeah, no, and I, just jump between them.
1: Yeah, I had mentioned to you off-air that, that you were kind of making my dreams come true because there are situations where I'm like, oh, I would love to have brought this thing into this other game at some point. So um, it would yeah, just be fun that, to be able to to do that myself.
3: Yeah, and I mean... It, it, some people ask, you know, oh, how would that make sense if I bring one item with it, with that looks like this into another game? But it would sort of be like alternate universes. You take your sword that's like super realistic rendered in one game and you go into the cartoon game and it turns into a cartoon sword, for example. And it might act a little bit differently, but it's still going to be that item that you own. Um, so so that's some cool stuff you can do with items. Um, and you can, you can also build in like all, all sorts of cool things like crafting where... Players can actually make their own tokens and craft items and put their own, like, create their own properties and then put them into games. Um, you can have things like items that decay and uh, cursed items that actually get locked to your crypto account and you cannot get rid of them until you solve something in a game. What? Uh, yeah, gonna... you can do really cool. Things. Oh my god! I'm and awful that's, at puzzles. That's, you can't just like recreate an account. It's, it's just gonna be bound to you forever. So. Oh! It's pretty crazy.
1: <laughs> I, would, I would absolutely end my friendship with whoever put that curse on my cat. <laughs> uh,
3: but yeah, so then you can do like collaborative gaming, where different people have different kinds of items, and they can combine their powers together, and and you know, kind of collaborate on on challenges in the game using that. Um, and then you can also do other cool things with crypto, like um, you can do like mining. It, some some games in cryptocurrency you can you can build some kind of mining into where you earn you earn crypto or crypto items by by playing games. Um, and the other whole thing about this is, is this creates realistic economies in games. So instead of it being in this like siloed universe, people can actually go and trade and, and move things around and, and set their prices and create a real market
1: so like Roller coaster tycoon could essentially, now you can definitely collect profits from other people around the world who wanted to yeah. go on your stuff. Right? Yeah,
3: exactly. Exactly. That's so awesome. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of other cool things they can do. Like one, one thing that's, that's sort of kept me up at night, which, uh, this is a little advanced, but maybe one day someone's going to make this. I, I was just thinking about someone could create an NPC in a game, like a non-player character. Mm-hmm. Um, that can actually own real items or real crypto and then that non-player character could like completely be autonomous on the blockchain have its own server that that no one has access to and then players have to literally bargain and haggle and do things with that npc so it gives them their crypto items oh, um, right so it's not like someone can shut that thing down it's actually a literal entity it's like a it's like a Huh. That sounds actual like,
1: You said you're creating the engine multiverse right now, uh, and yes. so you just recently made an announcement that you signed on several developers. Correct?
3: Yes. There's actually seven games now that are uh, have announced that they're going to be using uh, part of this multiverse. So they're going to be using items that c- are compatible across all those games.
1: Wonderful. So is there a specific reason why you ch- what, like? Did they come to you? Did you guys choose them? How um, how did this come about? How are you able to get this going?
3: Well, I think we, we had to kind of kickstart this idea. Uh, we, we want this as a proof of concept of what games can do. So I think people have to see it to actually believe it and then get ideas. So we created a bunch of kind of generic stock types of items. Um, we described them and we created some basic art. And then we asked these game developers, hey, do you guys see a, a place for this in, in their game? And a lot of them were like, yeah, we can totally integrate this in a really cool way. So uh, actually, yesterday I just got uh, a video back from one of our uh, uh, early adopter game developers, and they're using one of our our items, and it's it looks so epic! Like they just turned it into this 3D model, and it has all these cool powers in the game. Um, nice. And and I think yeah, I'm building this multiverse. We just have to sort of uh, encourage developers, like, hey, try this out. You know, what do you think? And a lot of them are really creative, and they they start playing with it, and. It's it's you you have to do it that way, and then the f- first multiverse will actually be created, and then you'll see other games starting to create their own multiverses and and networks like that.
0: I have a question. Um, are you planning on or have you guys reached out to big publishers, um, big name, uh, studios yet? Are you guys trying to like kind of build your own? But I I don't know. I'm it's just curious.
3: Kind of yeah, uh, we 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 do actually reach out to a lot of game developers we're reaching out to as many as possible and we're getting a lot of feedback as well. Um, I'm actually going to be traveling Europe for the next month or so, uh, meeting up with a ton of European game developers, some of them, big, awesome. and some of them smaller Indies. Fun times. Um, and we've already talked to a lot, like Roger flies around everywhere. To, yes, I don't know where he is every week. He's in a different country. Um, but yeah, he's in Korea and USA talking to a lot of game developers and uh, yeah there's definitely some big ones that are interested but uh, obviously with them you have to show them that this stuff works and it's for them it's a bigger risk to sort of play with it but uh, you, you've already heard of uh, developers like Ubisoft who already have their own blockchain division and they're experimenting yeah. with really cool ideas. Awesome
1: so so I wanted to ask you because you're our, you're our first CTO that we've had on the show um, and I, I you, I'm assuming you're also into cryptocurrency outside of Engine Coin, correct?
3: Yeah, I've been interested in it since I've heard about it, which was probably back like five or six years ago.
1: Well, wow. so I'm assuming you've read your share of white papers, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so I wanted to know because there are people here who are not. D- d- uh, Developers and we're not coders, and so when we were when we read a white paper, it's kind of difficult to kind of discern what we're what we're looking for. So, mm-hmm. one, do you feel that having a white paper is extremely important, or do you uh, does it not really matter as long as there's kind of proof in the pudding that they're doing something?
3: uh personally, like I I, I use the white paper to get an idea of what it's all about because usually the website doesn't say much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very vague, so I skim the white paper and sort of. Uh, see what the project is, what are their main goals. But the, the real thing that I look at is uh, their GitHubs, their teams, if they have a track record of, of building products, because um, like these are these are still companies that need to build products. There's, there's a lot of software development that has to happen. There's partnerships that have to happen. You have to look at the people and, and I personally value um, development expertise and a track record of, of building good products before anything else.
1: Awesome. And that I wanted to see from your point of view. As sh- So would you recommend that we learn a little bit of programming or coding at some end or just kind of do our best when we discern white papers? Or is there anything that we uh, should look for as non-coders and non-programmers?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say if you look at uh, Project GitHub or whatever code repository they have, mm-hmm. uh, take a look at how many people are contributing code, how often they're contributing, and also double check if they're if they're not just forking from another project and, and just pulling in their own commits so if they if they've just forked you know the ethereum repository and they're just pulling in commits from ethereum it means that nothing's really happening but um, if if there's their own contributors are are committing code to github you just click on the commits tab see what's happening every day like that that really separates the real projects from the guys who are just talk right
1: yeah, no, that's great, and that. Thank you so much for that advice. I know, I, I know, we're putting you on the spot on a personal aspect, but you're definitely somebody w- we would want to talk to and ask that particular question. Uh, the worst Now, for anybody who is listening out there, who is young and wants to, or or at any age really, and which kind of wants to start going into getting into blockchain technology as well as gaming. So, for future gaming developers, do you, do they need? Um, Will they also have to learn blockchain as well? Or will that still be a separate situation?
3: Well, I think when you look at blockchain, especially before 2018, um, it, it was very low level. Um, even a few years ago, it was extremely low level where you had to actually you know, get into the actual chain code itself and build your own chain. Uh, then if, with Ethereum and Solidity, it started getting a little higher level where you could build your own smart contracts. And now in 2018, we're starting to see whole frameworks developed just like our EngineCoin framework, where you can literally be a focus on your game code. You can focus on how the game's going to work and pull in the tools that we've spent thousands of hours building on how to make all this boilerplate stuff work. It just like with us, for example, you, if you're a Unity developer, you're using Unity, which is the most popular uh, game engine. You can be building your game and you pull in our plugin and then you just link, you, you focus on the way your game code interacts with these tokens instead of all the real nitty gritty of, of blockchain confirmations and things like that.
1: So you're, so you're saying that now the technology has, uh, the, at least the, the, the coding has advanced so, so much that, that they can kind of focus in on either blockchain or just gaming and then just work hand in hand together.
3: Maybe. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're focused on blockchain, you'll be focused on completely different prog- problems than game developers, unless you're doing experimental blockchain gaming. Like if you're trying to build uh, deterministic kind of uh, games that that are on chain, um, that that's a, another whole area that that still needs a lot of exploration, um, like games that that depend on mining or games that have uh, deterministic game rules that need to, that that uh Basically, there's there's been projects like Huntercoin, for example, which completely exist on chain mm-hmm. um, and people can play and, and you know, battle each other and, and do different things inside that state machine. But uh, so, so I mean, there's a lot of areas to explore. The blockchain is still a very young uh, technology and new types of chains, new types of scaling systems are coming out. So, there's there's areas to explore for for young developers in blockchain, as well as game developers can start using the higher level frameworks to, to start integrating into this this into their games as well.
1: Awesome! I'm definitely excited for future gaming, in, uh, and I may have to start pouring more money into to practice now.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, we talk about it on the show a lot, and we think that that just there's a good chemistry between gaming and crypto. Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, mm-hmm. what do you think about, what does the future hold for you guys in like the next three to five? Or in your eyes, your perspective on where you see Engine going from from here on out?
3: Sure. So uh, right now we're onboarding as many developers as possible because our, our tools are just right on the edge of release. Uh, we've already submitted our Unity plugin. And... Uh, developers very soon will be able to start putting this into their games. So we're talking to as many developers as possible. I can see us having hundreds of developers um, by next year, uh, hundreds of different games using EngineCoin and stuff. And we're also developing a a scaling system called Efinity. So we're going to put a lot of focus into that, which means later in the future when you play your games, you're going to be able to do things like uh, have a machine gun that has tokenized bullets and shoot them and <laughs> <laughs> those get distributed and they're it's gonna be basically free and really fast Interesting. Yeah, we've been benchmarking our stuff and and we're, we're able to get uh, hundreds of transactions per second now So wow. it's a lot faster than you, what you can do on the main chains on Ethereum. Um, so I can see blockchain being that fast and, and responsive um, and usable in, in really large games in the future. Oh. Uh, and we we see ourselves playing with um just making it as easy as possible for anyone to get into blockchain because you you look at the average person um they want to you know they want to fire up their xbox and start playing they really there's a real long process to get into crypto and gaming right now uh so we really want to focus on making that as easy and seamless as possible
1: well yeah that's great and you just kind of brought up a, a, an interesting point I, I didn't even think about this but so because these transactions, um, you know, they still have to go on the blockchain. Uh, will that affect, the, will the transaction affect the game play at all or will it always, are you, are you trying to separate how it works?
3: Yeah, you, you, we want to make it as seamless as possible, so you won't actually see any effect, uh, you, won't, you won't see many delays at all. Um, right now, our, our first initial versions are fully on chain. Uh, So they go directly to the Ethereum main chain. But uh, the first batch of games that are being developed, you're doing something like you're receiving one item or you're receiving a a batch of items, and then you can use those items freely as soon as you receive them. So reading the data, like figuring out what items you have is extremely fast, but then doing a transaction will still take like 15 seconds. But we built some things around that, like notifications. So, you know, as soon as you send the item, the other person knows that it's coming and it'll be there and, you know, very shortly right okay um but as infinity rolls out then that those things are going to be just really fast like within a second or two
0: so
1: perfect wonderful
0: um i had one question for you for fun is what game do you play right now uh gaming wise that that is your favorite if you if you can okay um uh, there's one of the game that, well, there's two that I'm playing. Two, right now, three, whatever two. you play. <laughs> uh,
3: I I really love the game called Frostpunk. Um oh. It's this yeah, it's this like dystopian cyberpunk RTS kind of game where, or city building kind of game where you're in this fro- all of Earth is frozen over and you're trying to uh, build civilization back up from from almost nothing and you're gathering coal and trying to start some this generator up and warm up your city so that's really really cool and kind of bleak and it's kind of fun uh racing against the frost and then there's another game called dead cells which i think is one of the most fun platformers that's come out in a long time so uh, you're you're this like batch of dead cells that walks around and and it's it's really (laughs) cool and and fun
1: i actually have
0: to check those out then that's really cool I will check. I would definitely want to check out Dead Cell. I don't, I don't know what it is, but the but the description intrigued me. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and if there's uh, do you have any social media you'd like to share with our audience? I mean, I, whether it's your own Twitter and then of course any engine EngineCoin uh handles.
3: Uh, sure. So you can uh, find us on on uh, Telegram, our official Telegram channel, and uh, our website's EngineCoin.io. It's E-N-J-I-O. N C O I N dot I O and that has actually all our our links to to the stuff. Oh,
0: sweet, awesome, thank you. Yeah, and uh, we thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I had a great time, very informative, and I love talking about gaming. So with that added, it's yeah. it been it's been fun. And whenever so.
1: you want to come back on and talk, that we're we're ready we're ready to listen. Uh, thanks a lot.
0: That was awesome. That was that was really great. I had so much fun with VTech. VTech was great. Roger and VTech, I yeah, mean, it's, it's such good passion, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I really
1: I uh, was excited and happy because you didn't need to answer it It had nothing to do with engine but he was at least uh, kind of to answer the white paper question sure about uh, about that situation so um
0: so if you didn't if you didn't if you didn't hear it I don't know what happened you weren't paying attention but <laughs> it was good but again good news for them is that they have some games that uh, and comp- you know that, that uh, I really that wa- that wa- I, I, I really want to play a few of them yeah. I want to play some. Want to try some of that and um, I really feel like at the I hope that I mean I know that Daniel and I feel like we learned a lot more about engine coin and remember We're very selective and we we like projects that have use cases and there's obviously a major use case here Yes, you can buy engine on an exchange, but it's not meant the way normal cryptocurrencies are meant This is a a marketplace for a place to exchange. in item you know, digital, tangible items. Exactly. Which is cool. Um, just remember that, people, that there are lots of other projects that are doing things that aren't what they said they were doing. Yeah, And, I, and <laughs> as, as we so said
1: in the past with other guests and stuff, if you're not using it, it's going to be lost. It's going to die. There's no reason for anybody to want to participate if you're not using it. And, and so uh, other companies other cryptos other tokens other coins they're kind of a little bit of a ways before something can happen um at least uh so with this one we're, we're seeing some 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 so something come to fruition which is great
0: yeah and uh i want to thank both roger and VTech for joining us uh, i had a great time uh setting up the interviews with the people at engine coin they were everyone was super nice yeah and um, i want
1: to thank the new listeners who came by and stuck it out thank you so much you can always follow us on twitter at coinboys podcast or at on instagram at coinboys cast or email us the coinboys at thecoinboys.com if you have any questions
0: yeah and uh we will check in with you guys soon lots more coinboys podcast fun stuff to to come ahead so thank you subscribe
1: so much. rate and review yes thank please. you peace
0: bye